G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. The story. I got a call from an Indigenous man of God from the city, works in the city. He told me about opportunities for Indigenous businesses to work with the government. I pitched, you know, four investors. And eventually the, the investor I chose said the words, I feel there's a shift with Aboriginal people and I want to be a part of it. And that was God saying, this is the man that you will journey with. And that's my business partner. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, last time we heard Indigenous Australian Isaac Harrison share his story about how he became a Christian and how he became involved in renewable energy. The time before that, we heard Mike Lane share about how he learned how to play the didgeridoo and was very successful in his group called River Tribe. Today, we're going to find out how they met and we'll find out more about their plans to take a Rolls Royce and convert it into an electric car. Once again, they're chatting with Eric Scadabo in our Melbourne studios. Mike Lane, welcome back to the program. G'day, Eric. Thanks for having me back. Glad to have you with us once again, and welcome back to the program, Isaac Harrison. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for having me back. Okay, last time we had to cut you off. You had gone through a very rough time trying to get a job. You were only 20 years old and working in factories. Things did not work out, and you had just become a Christian, and you were kind of wondering, hey, God, you know, why are things not working out if I'm putting my faith in you? But then we ended right when you had moved down to Victoria, and you had become involved in a company that, as we'll find out, was pretty successful. So let's continue the story. Yeah, sure. So, you know, I'm I'm living in uh, Melbourne now. I, I'm doing a bit of youth leadership at the local church. I'm playing didgeridoo for local councils. So I've got to be... Now, were you always a musician? You know, my mother was. I um, only picked up guitar, bass guitar, when I was probably 18, 19. So... Um, and I've always played the didgeridoo, but with the didgeridoo or the yidiki, it's very hard to get circular breathing. So that took me about two, three years till I mastered that. And then from that, I just fell in love with that piece. You know, it is like the shofar for Indigenous people. Mm-hmm. And the frequency of the didgeridoo is very similar to the Earth's rotation, if you were to measure that. And so when people say, you don't actually hear the did, you feel it. And so people say, I feel that. And once you, you have the anointing on that and on this great South land, it's just unreal, you know. And so I, I fall in love with it. And it's very, um, brings a peace when I play it. So, yeah, I played that and I, um, you know, was working a few jobs. My, well, I got married. My, my wife and I have a baby on the way. And uh, two weeks after my son Enoch is born, I get made redundant at my job so wow not what you want to hear yeah we you know we took yeah we took up a lease at a house and i was you know i was just like lord haven't i have gone through this Mm. you know i've moved to another state away from family off country um which is very important for indigenous people and you know called down here because i felt you know you're leading and um yeah that was a real hard time so i actually was playing paid gigs with like local council Mm -hmm. and government and then i got introduced to Mike, who has River Tribe. So, yes. Yeah. Well, tell us about mm-hmm. that, Mike. How did you meet this guy? Well, we just did a time of need in terms of uh, Luke, who n- normally plays with me as a duo. Um, he's very 
caught up in well his work his his job was working with um, young indigenous people and uh, also has family in Wollongong so he was kind of busy getting called away a lot so I needed someone to help play with me in some of the gigs where Luke wasn't around heard about Isaac um, oh there's this guy down in Frankston uh, who plays he's really good so just got in touch and he's an indigenous guy so yeah yeah it's part of your heritage yeah. <laughs> that's right yeah. so and you know with river tribe we've been going for 20 years or 21 years now mm-hmm. um it's always been in and around indigenous people indigenous culture but none of you so, have an indigenous background no i mean i mean so it'd probably I, kind of be nice to get somebody in there <laughs> <laughs> I, I i'm initially. indigenous to scotland but <laughs> yeah you did initially didn't you have yeah, 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 we worked with uh, a guy named Stu Fergie, Didgery Stu, he calls himself, um, actually still plays in a band with my brother, hmm. a band called Oka, uh, very busy touring band, but um, yeah, so we've had contact on and off with different Indigenous people as we've moved forward. Uh, it's become more and more important to us to really respect and uh involve ourselves in indigenous culture so it's been a great relationship with isaac just from the point of view of um you know kind of taking that relationship further and Mm -hmm. i was really excited when he was going to start his own company um he he was doing some work for me um i do project management on design projects with uh domestic housing with renovations that kind of thing so had isaac laboring for me when he was out of a job as well so we formed a bit of a relationship and he would tell me uh every day the progress with starting his new company and i was a bit like yeah 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 but, <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, it all. <laughs> how, how old were you at this point and you were thinking about starting your own company so this would be um yeah t- like probably six months for the actual conception of the business starting and um you know with it not having work um i was playing didgeridoo for gigs you know to buy nappies in a formula. But I don't think everybody, if they're in that situation, be thinking, yeah, I think I'll start my own company. <laughs> well, this is what led to it. You know, I um, got made redundant. You know, the guy at the end of it, we have a sort of a verbal exchange. You know, he grabs him around the neck. He's a, ma- a very tall Croatian guy. He grabs him by the neck and, and he says the words, um, how are you going to buy nappies now? Before, Like I was out parting words. And... I said, he grabbed oh. you around the neck, like in a menacing yeah, like, way, or like, uh, not a- like with the hands, but with your, you know, around your, your thing, and sort of pulled my head down towards you know his chin. So, but in very a mean tall. way, yeah, in a mean way, because oh, wow. I said to him, like, um, I don't want to be a part of this company if it, it does the way things it does, you know, because of the unethical practices, hmm. and um, and so he said those words, and and I said, I'll play the ditch, you know, like sort of a smart aleck response. Hmm. But I got in my car and, and cried pretty much on the hmm. drive home to tell my wife that I'd just been made redundant. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And so, um, and saying at the same sentence, God, where are you? What's going on? Yeah. So, yeah, I was. We're about to actually move to Queensland, and because there was nothing here, there's no doors opening and in Victoria. There was doors still open in Queensland to go back, sit on, you know, hundred thousand, work, you know, in the sunny coast and live the life and. Something inside me, and my wife's from Melbourne, she's from Geelong, her family, felt like it wasn't time to go back, and I didn't know why. And so, we just held down. We got, I got a call from an uh, in, a Indigenous a man of God from the city, works in the city. He told me about uh, opportunities for Indigenous businesses to work with the government. So, there was opportunity there. I was like, oh, I don't know. 
um, my mum had a had a dream actually, a vision, and she had a dream. It was, it was, she had two, but one was that we would walk. Me, Amy, Enoch, Amy, my wife was holding Enoch, and we'd walk to this big, you know, Lord of the Rings has that that gate, and it's got the inscription on it, you know, mm-hmm. the, where the water is. I forget mm-hmm. what scene that is, but the door looked like that, and it was black, and it was engraved. And my wife researched the meaning of black in Hebrew and stuff like that. You know, obviously means like different things like death and that, but it can also mm. mean double portion. Um, I don't forget how she got that, but anyway, it was in- engraved and, and Jesus met us at the door and he looked at us and he didn't say anything and he just nodded and walked in as if to say, mm. follow me. And we had to decide to follow him to this dark, unknown door with mm. engravings that were not familiar. And so, we got that and then the opportunity to work with government, which I sussed out, I went to Sydney to a big government procurement um, trade show so there was still a lot there and then I began um, obviously it was with Mike so I was sharing with Mike what, what mm-hmm. I was going to do so I, you have a Christian friend yeah a Christian friend yeah, and Mike was shared things were going on with his life and family and, mm-hmm. and finding where he was I certainly was like what am I doing here where am I going and um, that for me was the only reason I was I was still here because I felt God was calling me to do this and mm-hmm. I pitched you know four investors and you know, Mike will know some of them because they they would say things to me, and then I would say it to Mike, and Mike's like, "Oh, it doesn't make any sense." And you know, while painting roofs, <laughs> um, so yeah, like Mike will share that, and and eventually the, the investor I chose said the words, "I feel there's a shift with Aboriginal people, and um, I want to be a part of it." And that was God saying, "This is the man that you will." your journey with and that's Hmm. my business partner till today but yeah from Mike's side of the fence I would have looked a bit yeah coming back with different things at times and not knowing where to go and just trusting in the Lord so yes yes it was a case of these sort of daily updates from Isaac I spoke to this guy and that guy and lots of what I thought, I guess, maybe pie in the sky figures. Yeah, I was going to say projections. Did about you think things. this guy was serious? He, I knew he was serious. And um, did you think he, he'd be successful? Um, I didn't know. Mm. You know, I just thought, yeah, it, it, yeah, I just knew he was ambitious mm. and encouraged him to have a go and and keep keep moving forward in it. And uh, it was just exciting to see it develop. You know, um, his future wasn't in wielding a shovel on a building site. I could see, and Even that's what he I, was doing that kind of stuff for you. Yeah, yeah, but <laughs> at the same time, yeah. I mean, it was a great stopgap for him. But I, I said to him, you, "This isn't your place here." You know, I, I said to him, I, "I know you've got this entrepreneurial spirit. It's just written all over you, mm-hmm. and um, you, you're definitely going places." And uh, I just felt that in my spirit, and I just encouraged Isaac with that hmm. uh, n- numerous times. And Isaac, you had kind of learned the energy business from working in it. Yeah, yeah. So I, I come from off-grid renewable technology, so that's not connected to a grid, you know, like power lines. So it, mm. it really is dwellings, you know, opal hunters, boar hunters, game hunters, fishing boats, people that need their own closed power supply. And that can come from solar generating in the day to storing it to batteries, Mm -hmm. use the freezer at night. One thing I loved about that industry is there's direct accountability. So if you inadequately design a system and it doesn't work, then you get a call from an angry customer. Yeah. So I went from that to then in Melbourne to residential, to commercial, into, you know, lighting, into larger scale power generation into borderline project development sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, so I had that all that experience and my business partner has another couple of years experience and he's 
from one man in the van. He used to install it himself, working for big companies, scaled it up so he's got, you know, 20 staff in his office, and that's what partnered with Bunjil. So that's how you became the founder and director of Bunjil Energy. That's true. You're listening to The Story. Our guest today is once again Isaac Harrison. He's an Indigenous Australian, a didgeridoo player, and as we just heard, he's the founder and director of his own renewable energy company. He's joined once again by his good friend and fellow didgeridoo player Mike Lane from the musical group River Tribe. We'll find out more about how the Lord has been working in their lives and more about their special project of converting a Rolls Royce into an electric car. All that and more when we return. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Today we're joined once again by two didgeridoo players, Isaac Harrison and Mike Lane. As we heard before the break, besides playing the didgeridoo, Isaac is the founder of his own renewable energy company, and Mike is from the musical group River Tribe. Now, we're going to find out more about Isaac's power company and also about his heart for helping his fellow Indigenous Australians. You know, we're massive on being involved in supplying power solutions to Indigenous communities, and a lot of these Indigenous communities, uh, you know, it's like even though they speak English, it's a different language, it's a different culture. And so our company, Bunjil, now acts as a consultant to Indigenous communities or landowners, mm-hmm. uh, also to other Indigenous businesses that we're helping um, because we have been, you know, very successful. My, my staff, you know, is the biggest blessing I have. You know, those guys, I, I labour with them, mm-hmm. you know, I serve them. So um, your heart if I'm understanding you yep. correctly, is to be not just an energy company, yep. but a blessing back to your community, the indigenous community. Yep, that's right. Yeah, we want to show other indigenous corporations how to create business plans, how to execute them, how to set up sustainable streams of income. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, we want to... Provide employment? That's right, yeah. Provide employment and we want to empower community to own their own power generation that provides it for the likes of everyone and it's a local, you know, trading mm-hmm. and selling and buying. And that's my heart and I see that is how we're going to include Indigenous people back into the economy, mm-hmm. which is on their land, and that will address those poor statistics around suicide, sexual abuse and that because Indigenous people have been taken away from their land and their culture, essentially, mm-hmm. and it's about bringing them through an employment instead of a handout mentality, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of great missionaries and, and people that go up to these communities, you know, preach the gospel, share that, the people get born again, but then what do they do? Hmm. There's no there's no jobs, hmm. you know. That's what we're about, and, and that's what leads into the, the Rolls-Royce project. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. get back to this Rolls-Royce. Yeah, so Rolls-Royce I almost Shadow, didn't get Mike. to interview Mike because he thought he might be picking up a Rolls-Royce. So that kind of got my attention. So that kind of <laughs> yeah. was what started this whole conversation, and that's how I got to know about you and your friendship with Mike. And uh, what was the idea behind that? Yeah, sure. Look, so as people convert to electric vehicles, what we don't understand is that Everyone will come home from work and they'll plug in to charge and you're going to be draining power from the grid mm-hmm. all at the same time. So, you imagine when we had um, you know, a straight-day weekend mm-hmm. and everyone turns the air cons on and then all of a sudden there's no power. 
Hmm. You can imagine that's going to happen now where people are getting electric vehicles, but there's no infrastructure. So we saw this project as multi-layered because we can address, well, you convert your car to electric or you get an electric car, but how do you charge that? And now that's going to have a cost. And then when do you charge that? Because everyone else is trying to charge that. So if everyone else is trying to charge the vehicle, um, power companies know, well, we'll make that the peak, you know, hmm. put the prices up and voila. So it's about a whole systematic approach where the person's got their own power supply from their roof or from a little wind turbine, um, biogas, all that sort of stuff. Then they're able to charge that vehicle through a renewable source and then they're not paying for that fuel. So essentially, you've got free fuel. Wow. And so... That's kind of nice, eh? Yeah. Yeah, it's super exciting. And the <laughs> funny thing is... We can't nice have free petrol, but this this is just as good. <laughs> yeah. And, it, and the ingredients were always there. God provided the ingredients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were always there. We wind as humans, and sun and yeah, all that. Wind, sun, tides, gas, oil. And we just think as humans that we know the best way. And then we go, look, I know the best way and I'm going to charge you a fee for using that service. And, and I think, you know, it says, you know, he sits up there and he laughs. Because you'd be like, these guys are doing things the wrong way. Um, and so, yeah, that's how me and Mike got back in contact. You know, we're obviously always talking, playing the didgeridoo and update with what's going on. So so you guys are still playing the didgeridoo together? Yeah, we did music Melbourne Music Week recently. Yeah, that was fun. So this is kind of like a side thing why you kind of got your daytime jobs, this energy thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think it's, you know, as Indigenous, it's super important to get back in touch with the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a great way to, to do that. But getting back to the Rolls Royce, so the whole idea is to have an attention-getting car. Is that kind of the idea? Well, yeah. yeah the concept I went to Isaac with was you got my attention. <laughs> yeah. Look, why don't we why don't we buy a Rolls Royce and convert it? Because this thing has a six point eight liter V eight motor in it. It's probably the most conspicuous uh, consumption luxury symbol of. White Australia, if you like. Mm. Yeah, when West, I hear Rolls Western Royce, culture. I think of luxury yeah. of plantation. Uh, <laughs> it's, an I- it's an icon of wealth. Yeah, yeah and that's what I think. Yeah. That's Success, why you know. Mike, you're going to pick up a Rolls Royce. What are you <laughs> yeah. talking about? <laughs> yeah, so I just felt let's pick the most significant iconic vehicle yeah. that we can find. Yeah. And pull the power plant out of it, the massive V8 engine out of it, and put an electric motor in it. And I'm just trying to get my head around. You guys are usually like playing a didgeridoo, but you're also thinking about Rolls Royces <laughs> yeah. and electric cars while you're yeah. playing. <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a classic, like um, the opportunity sort of came and you're sort of like, oh, I don't know. That's not really, you know, will it make money? You know, will it be a cost? All these questions. But instinctively, we're like, why not? You know, and the rest of it's unraveled, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I got to thinking about the whole concept that this is a great idea, but here's Indigenous people doing it as well. Mm, yep. And um, this is where I got really excited and told Isaac about it. But I also told uh, David Bromley about it, who's an iconic um, kind of rock star painter in Australian culture, mm. and I had a little bit of contact with him in the past. So I, I wrote him an email and just said, this is what we're thinking about doing. And I knew David had probably about half a dozen Rolls Royces as you do, if you're an iconic yeah. artist. <laughs> he collects all these old cars. You know, he's got old Lamborghini and yeah. all these old vehicles sitting around in his yard, and they were doing a project painting them up. And I said, what are you doing with these cars when you finish this this art project? Um, would you give us one? 
And uh, that's bald. Why not? Good things come to those who ask, you know. Yeah, yeah. But he got very excited. He rang me straight away and just said, "I'm in. This mm. is this is exciting. I want I want to contribute back to Indigenous culture. Mm. I've uh, I've benefited." Greatly, he's a he's a migrant from Sheffield, England himself, when he mm-hmm. was a kid, and has done very well. And he's surrounded by people who've done very well mm-hmm. uh, as in business and and culture and arts in Australia. And he said, "This is a great way for me and my friends to give back mm-hmm. to Indigenous culture and just be involved with something exciting." Uh, so he said, "Yep, come and pick one out." So Isaac went up to <laughs> Dalesford to his studio and picked the car out, and uh, we've since picked it up. So you had your choice. We had a choice, but we're also mindful. So our partners in this SA Electric, um, Tony, um, you know, they did a conversion before, and they only did it as like a favour to a lady, and they're like not interested in doing it. But the response they had from social media and and on the marketing front was incredible. And um, so we offered it to him again. He's like, yeah, let's do it again. So Mm. there were so many things that just lined up, and, you know, it's like you never know – about being in the right place at the right time with the right resources. Mm, mm. And there's times in life where I've felt I've missed out, mm. but it's really like God's leading of saying it's not the right time, it's not the right season. Mm. And then he brings you back around if you're patient and you're in it for the you know the years, not the weeks and the months and the mm. highs and the lows, but you're in it for the long run, you know, the long walk with Jesus. Like he just comes back around to these these little moments of just pure joy and celebration and you look back and go What's what's happening? How did this how did mm. this happen? So wow, what an incredible story! Starting off with Mike, you know, out of the blue, having kind of a midlife crisis, and then feeling God led you to learn how to play the didgeridoo, and then eventually yes. meeting Isaac over here, and then you guys are working on other projects besides music, and uh, starting off uh, with this special power company, and of course uh, the Rolls Royce cars in there somewhere as well. Unfortunately, we have to wrap up because we're running out of time. But just kind of looking back over this whole journey that you've been on, what are you passionate about now going forward? Uh, well, just working hard on getting the the, the Rolls Royce project running. Um, I want to see that when you're done, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we will. <laughs> so, That's busy strong. building websites and That's part of the agreement up. here. I get a ride in that car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's great. I've had the car at my home and uh, it's just exciting putting some of the interior back together and remedying small problems with the cool. vehicle. And yeah. Uh, it's good fun. Had contact with the Rolls-Royce Club, who I can say probably aren't particularly pleased about the fact that we're going to pull the engine out of the car. But hopefully we can get them on board as we yeah. move forward. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I'm excited about right now. Yeah. Isaac? Yeah, for me, it's coming through on what we've said that we'll do and, yeah, and, and enjoying it, I suppose. Yeah, enjoying so it. now you are the founder and director of your own power company. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I've got, you know, co-founder. I've got my, my business partner, Jared. And, um, you know, our goal is to be the first Indigenous company, ASEC listed, you know. And so, you know, we've got our four-year mark that we want to, um, you know, evaluate where we've come from and how much impact we've had on Indigenous business and communities. And um, what lies for me after that, I, I don't know, you know. Mm. I don't know. Maybe it's missionary work. Maybe it's... Um, another company maybe it's on the board maybe it's governments hmm. but uh you know god hasn't revealed that to me so far so I, I do the best with what i can see in front of me and keep enjoying it so and let's go back to that vision you had yeah of uh what was it kind of gates and you see jesus yeah do you think you kind of have a better grasp on what that was all about now looking back yeah look I, I think it's it's 
all my fears and all you know when you start a business there's so many fears like you know there's cash flows insurances there's starting there's there's loans there's where you're going to get a rental you know there's first customers it's then delivering for that first customer mm-hmm. and so unknown but you know there's such a it's following jesus is is so exciting mm-hmm. you know it's not boring it's it's not the same old you know he loves putting us out of our comfort zone you know he loves yeah you've gone through the valleys <laughs> sometimes he loves yep. saying how i'm gonna walk across this water are you coming and you're like um excuse me so and i just want to be like all those disciples you know i want to have a crack you know and i think that's the most important thing is having a crack and you know and there's grace there to catch you if you fall short so if, yeah for now those things are clearing up but there's a lot of things i think he intentionally doesn't Show me, because me and Mike like to, we do get carried away in very addictive personalities. <laughs> well, so you have a lot some of things, fun. Uh, yeah, have some fun. So I think, you know, the Lord and his, and his wisdom likes to keep a few of those things just a bit uh, in, the, in the smoke a little. And mm. uh, as we get closer, he starts to reveal. It's a long journey, but you have a electrical Rolls Royce to help get you there. That's right. It's free, <laughs> fu- free fuel, um, come limited time only. No, no, I'm <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing Thanks, your story sir. with us today. That was the conclusion of Eric Scatterbo's conversation with Isaac Harrison and Mike Lane. Isaac is the founder and director of his own renewable energy company called Boonjil Energy. And Mike is from the musical group called River Tribe. For more information about Boonjil Energy, their website is boonjilenergy.com.au. That's boonjilenergy.com.au. Well, it's been great to hear how these two friends met, how they encourage each other, and how they enjoy doing things together like playing music, and converting Rolls Royces into electric cars. Sounds like the basis for a wonderful friendship. But seriously, and most importantly, it's great to hear how their friendship is based on their common faith in the Lord. As the Bible says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell together in unity. Well, thanks for joining us for Isaac and Mike sharing their story. I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. Next time on The Story... Brian had been unwell for a little while and so had been through a series of checkups and that sort of thing. And the specialist diagnosed Brian within minutes, really, and said, You've got a cancer that is growing in your throat. And from there, we found out that it was stage four inoperable. And so the journey began. Pastors Byron and Anne Graham have gone through their share of health challenges in life. As a matter of fact, they got the bad news that Anne's mother was diagnosed with cancer at the same time Byron was in the hospital being treated for cancer. We'll hear their story next time. The story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life.